Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And Santa Claus isn't real, folks. Bobby Green got smoked. Uh, with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, a man who was so confident that Bobby Green was going to get that W. He laid his own hard earned well, I don't know how hard he works, his own money on Bobby Green, Lavender Gooms. That is correct. I would have gotten more utility out of those 10 bucks if I had just lit that bitch on fire. Uh, also, a belated happy Dominican Independence Day to the both of you. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Sure. Happy Dominican Independence Day, my friend. That's right. Dios, patria, and libertad. Who did you guys uh, declare your independence from? I don't know. Probably Spanish. I was going to guess Spain. Spain's a good guess. <laughs> You're like, how do we end up speaking Spanish, Bobby? Well, that, my last name is Sanchez, <laughs> so I'm going to assume it's Spain. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, happy Dominican Independence Day to all the Dominicanos out there. Also, uh, happy 44th wedding anniversary to my parents because it's somewhere around the Dominican Independence Day. Mike's, oh, nice. Mike's here with a bunch of half facts. It's great. There's independence. We don't know from who. There's an anniversary. We don't know when. It's around. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> somebody conquered somebody. Somebody married somebody when. We're getting there. Exactly. Um, all right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about uh, this Makachev and Bobby Green. Two minutes of action. You want to call a fight? Um, I actually watched the rest of that main card, or most of it, I think. I was zoning in and out at times. Um, we're going to talk about um, you, this weekend's UFC 272 card which is very much in flux parts of it because we lost the co-main event this morning when Rafael, uh, I don't think he's, is he Brazilian? He may not be a Rafael. He may be a Rafael. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, someone check where Fizave is from. Where Fizave, um, the battle of the of Rafael's or Rafael versus Rafael, Fizave got the, got the Rona. Flew from Thailand to Vegas and got the Rona. Um, so... Uh, Bunch of people volunteering to fight Dos Anjos on short notice. Dos Anjos is trying to move to Brazil. Probably needs this check, I'm assuming, to move some of his shit. Um, it's going to take a fight on short notice. Sounds like Moicano wants in. Um, the more interesting one is Islam Makachev, the same guy who won on Saturday, would like in. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show because I'm hoping by that point maybe somebody has signed a contract. But uh, for now... Marcus Makachev's won like 10 fights in a row. He mm -hmm. took care of Bobby Green real quick. Bobby Green fought like a guy who had no time to prepare for a fight on any level. Um, wait, Mike, Mike wants to chime in here. Go ahead. Yes, I'm coming in with those hot facts. Uh, Rafael Faizev uh -huh. was mm -hmm. born in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Is he so, to, there you Bra go. to Brazilian not parents? Bra not Brazilian. Not to no. Brazilian parents? <laughs> he was born in Kazakhstan to a Russian mother and an 
Azerbaijan fathers. Ah, the people of Azerbaijan. Okay. Rafael versus Rafael is delayed, folks. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Marcus, Islam Makachev. Did what you want a man to do when he's fighting a guy who has no time to prepare for him, I guess, right? Put a stamp sure, on it. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, we were all pulling for Bobby Green. We we're glad that, you know, he got this main event. But, I mean, I, I had no delusions here. No line would get me to set my $10 on fire on this one. Because as much as I respect and, and love Bobby Green as a combatant, as just, like you know, an interesting character in this sport, um, stylistically, it, it was a bad matchup. You know, I, I think you could maybe delude yourself into thinking that he's a pretty good wrestler. Maybe he will be able to keep this standing. But um, we've seen Islam and his ilk fight many a good wrestler, and none of them can stop the takedown. And, you know, th to be fair to, to Bobby's credit, he was doing pretty good in this fight in the first couple of minutes. He was able to negate some of the shots to keep it standing, to not get, you know, clinched up. His big undoing came when he threw a kick, and once he threw a kick, Islam was able to grab it, uh, get into a clinch, and even though Bobby tried to fight off the clinches, you know, as admirably as he could, um, he essentially came to the takedown, and once this fight was on the ground, it was, you know, as far as I was concerned, it was pretty much over, you know, Islam has shown a master class in, in top control, as he slowly, you know, was able to go from half guard to side to mount, um, Using some ground and pound, Bobby gave up his back a couple of times, turned back to mount because he knew, you know, giving up his back was death. Ultimately, did give up his back, got flattened out, and Islam just laid the hands on him to, to get a referee stoppage at uh, 323. So, yeah, Bob, you know, th this was a fight that on paper he should win pretty easily. Um, and those are the type of fights that you need to perform well on. You know, it was a short notice fight, a bit of a different type of fighter than he was going to fight in Darush, but someone that, you know, had some similarities here. You know, Darush is also a really good wrestler. Darush probably carries a little bit more power in his hands, where Bobby, Bobby Green, I think, is... I don't think so. Darush think is, right? Softball. Isn't he? I'm not sure. He well, could I, be. Even, I mean, I he hope so, be. after I ask that question. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's some similarities here, and I think, you know, I, th I would have picked Islam against uh, Darush. I think that would maybe be a little bit more competitive. Um, and against Bobby Green, you know, I, I really didn't think Bobby was going to be able to pull it off. And I was hoping for the best and, and maybe even hoping for a better performance than, than what we got. But with Islam, it is just one slip up. And once he gets you in a clinch and once he takes you down, you know, it is pretty much over. We haven't seen anyone be able to survive, you know. So minutes on the ground with him so not too surprised in that regard so uh islam makachev 10 in a row 11 and one in, one in the ufc overall his only loss got knocked out by adriano martins seven years ago in a minute and a half so don't remember that fight but i'm gonna assume he got hit with something early and you know things happen mike we got wins over the last this is the, this is the win streak starting in september 2016 Decision Chris Wade. Decision Nick Lentz. First round knockout over Glyson Tebow. Uh, first round armbar Cajun Johnson. Uh, decision over Armin Sakarian, who I think was on this card. Uh, decision over Davey Ramos. Submission in the third round over Drew Dober. Submission in the fourth round over Tiago Moises. Submission in the first round over Dan Hooker. S knockout in the first round of Bobby Green. This is the toughest weight class in the UFC to get a title shot, unless your name is Conor McGregor. I mean, he's next, right? It doesn't even matter, right? We're, we got 10 in a row. He's ranked number four. The only people ahead of him are Dariush, Poirier, and uh, Gaethje. I don't know, Bobby. 
I saw over the weekend some reports of Conor McGregor tweeting Charles Oliveira. No, I mean, his next fight should be for the championship. Islam Makhachev, oh, sh- right? Should and will be are two vastly different things. Has he but earned a title he was, shot? He was number four. He was number four going into this fight. Um, it's really been a lot of steam for him uh, possibly being the next contender. Um, at this point, I don't need to see him in another fight. I think at this point, he's more than earned his title shot. Whether he'll get it is a, is a different story. Yeah, and Mark, I mean, putting aside what might happen this weekend with him, 10 in a row. I mean, not a lot of top five guys over on, on that list, except, I guess, Dan Hooker. Um, but, you know, 10 in a row at any weight class is insane, quite frankly. Um, you got to think that we're just hoping Charles Oliveira is the matchup there, right? Just for the sake of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what would be warranted. I think he's absolutely earned it. I do agree that, you know, this is a really difficult weight class to gain a lot of headway. But at this point, he's proven himself. And I think the hooker fight really answered any questions where it's about you know, maybe he's, you know, could he could he face top competition? And, and well, that was a hooker and... again. Also on two, that was another short notice one for his opponent, too. That was one where hooker took the fight like on a week's notice, two weeks notice, because. Someone else pulled out and hookers yeah, like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Out of that one. But I was another. But I mean, I mean, not that that I mean, not that I'm, I'm agreeing with you still, but it was another short notice opponent. Yeah, but at this point, I mean, at least in my eyes, there's nothing that I, I, I need him to prove nothing to me to, in order for him to earn that title shot. I think he has the skills to compete, if not succeed in, in capture the uh, light heavyweight championship. So it is just a matter of what the brass decides to do. I, I think he's earned it. I'm not going to hate it if. They do something wacky, and it is Connor and Oliveira, and they're like, "Well, Islam, you got to fight somebody." So he has to fight, you know, a really tough guy like a uh, or Chandler or something like that. And it'd be interesting. I, I don't hate him in a Gaethje fight because I think Gaethje could see him as you know a little Habib, as many people do, and I'm sure he wants to run that back. And getting a win over Islam isn't quite the same as Habib, but he would get like some vengeance there. So maybe he would have some fires in the iron for that fight himself, but. If that's what it comes down to, that he needs to get another fight before the title, you know, so be it. I think he'll take it. I think he'll very likely win that fight. I think it's undeniable at some point he will contest for the championship, and it just depends on, you know, who's holding the belt at that time. Um, and I hope it is Oliveira, because I think that would be an interesting matchup. Yeah, we never got a, you know, we all wanted Khabib and Tony, right? Because mm-hmm. Tony had a great active ground game. Oliveira's got one too, man. You know, we do, I mean, we never, I mean, not that I think anything would have changed with Khabib. But I don't think we ever saw Khabib fight a guy off who off his back was just like that kind of grappler. You know what I mean? Like a off his back specialist. I don't know if we ever saw that with Khabib or Islam up until this point, to be honest. I'm thinking about it. Um, I mean, I very much would favor the Dagestanis in both of those matchups, but it'd be cool to see just to see somebody who doesn't care that they're on top of them. You know what I mean? And just see what they can do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be much different i think when you get to these top levels it's hard to catch guys on the bottom with something especially when you're as skilled as habib and islam is but it it would be if nothing else to answer some questions they haven't matched up with someone who has been extremely dangerous on the bottom but there's been other matchups where i was like oh well maybe this or maybe because this guy's a good wrestler he'll be able to negate that and we might get the equivalent of the first round knockout where he you know he did adriano martins caught islam maybe you know Oliveira does catch him or something. Well, Oliveira is a massive underdog, by the way, in this hypothetical fight. Sure. Plus 345 to minus 415 for Islam Makachev, which is nuts. 
I'm not sure a champion has been that much of an underdog. Whew. I don't even know. I can't think the last time of like, oh, it's almost a coronation, you feel. You know. Probably the biggest underdog champion until um, Aljo steps in the ring against Jan. Aljo's not going to be that big of an underdog. There's no way. That is like, I, I mean, let me I'm, see. I'm sure really? Matt Sarah was a big underdog Yo. when he fought GSP. Yeah, I'm going to say. Aljo, Aljo was getting his ass kicked and only won because of an illegal strike. How is he not going to be a massive underdog, a bigger underdog than this? He's plus three hundred, so he's a he's a small he's a lesser underdog. How so is he's that close. Possible? He's close. They're, wow. they're, they're in the I think same Aljo realm. won the first two rounds, Mike, or at least what? the first. If I remember what? correctly, yeah, I think he did. I don't know. This fight was like a while ago. Aljo been sitting on that belt for a while. Damn. Um, best way to be. Best way to remain. God, I, I want I want Aljo to win that fight so badly. It's gonna make so many people angry. If they can do, if it can somehow happen the same way too, like if if Jan can do something else stupid <laughs> to blast, get disqualified, just blast him in the forehead again. It's like that Bellator that Bellator uh, situation it was like five six years ago, where the heavyweight champions keep getting DQ'd for hitting each other in the nuts. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> just he just couldn't hold on to the belt. Um, yeah. Um, Bobby Green, man, we want him to get a chance. Maybe he can get another one with like a little bit of a longer fight camp next time. You know. I think Bobby Green is meant for a five-round fight, too. I think he can he can go a little bit. You know what I mean? He got stamina. So Now, isn't it true this was his last fight on his contract? Yeah, that didn't help. For Bobby Green? I'm not sure he's going to get that much of a bump in pay. So, we'll see. Well, I hope they I hope they hook him up, considering that he helped save this, uh, this main event card. I don't think that exists uh, anymore. No? Okay. I don't think that well, got any sort of heart at that point. I, I, I mean, that, I, I Bobby would... Green was telling the story the UFC paid for his brother's funeral. But that was back in 2014. That was when that was when that was when Dana White was, you know, Uncle Dana. Well, yeah, when he was mailing Bisping tell story of like, you know, Dana mailed him a check for ten grand because it was like one or two fights after the Ultimate Fighter, and Bisping didn't have the money for like Christmas presents or something for his kids, and he just gave him ten grand or something. It's a nice story. Doesn't happen anymore though with uh, the current regime. So. I wouldn't be disappointed or even all that surprised if he ended up going over in Bellator. You know, this was like I Bobby think Green was fun. a strike force guy. I think there's a lot of interesting matchups there. And again, like you know, you can say what you want about the Bellator, you know, talent pool. One, I think lightweight is pretty competitive. But two, I feel like Bobby Green could excel in maybe a less high well, competitive. You know, Marcus, he's a stri- he's a Coker guy too, man. That was a guy Coker. That's, did that's what I was saying. He was a strike force guy. Yeah. So there's obviously bonds there. I imagine Bellator would not mind to to pay him pretty ha- handsomely because one, not only is he, you know, what I consider to be a very fairly talented fighter, but he's also got a really interesting story, um, a lot of charisma. I, mean, I, I think he could bring fans. I think the hardcores know who he is, um, and there's some interesting matchups over there. So if he ends up going that way, I'm not going to. You know, you know it could be all. a truly terrible fight. Bobby Green versus Benson Henderson. I was thinking that as well. I don't know if it would be that bad. I mean, it depends which version of the two guys show up, to be honest. Because there's a version of both of his them. fights in Bellator, but I don't think, I don't know if they've been as boring. But, you know, those Wait, fight, no, Bendo, fights I saw him with Chandler were great. So, did you see Bendo had a really honest comment where he feels like, you know, I get paid a lot of money by Bellator and I'm not sure I've given them the return mm-hmm. on the investment? Yeah. And I'm like, you don't need to say that part out loud, Benson. We all like you. You seem like a good man, but let's, let's it's okay. Well, it's the conception that Bellator is second rate. So you have a guy like Benson going over there who's a former champion, and you kind of expect him to just, you know, mop the floor with these guys. And he's kind of struggled, you know, not even against, I mean, look, he struggled against uh, Chandler, and I think I, I think he fought a pit bull. 
He beat the pit bull because the pit bull broke his leg. The Chandler fight was one of his better performances, and he lost that one. It was great. It was a great fight. But even then, after, like, he fought lesser guys that were not as well-known and and, and has struggled. So he he definitely could use a boost. And him and a Bobby Green fight, I think, easily is a main event that gets some people interested. So there's green pastures out there. Or PFL, you know, uh, Bobby Green's marketable, and he's, he's, he's hitting a, you know, he's kind of hitting somewhat of a stride. So... Yeah, he was putting it together, man. He just ran into the buzzsaw. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I hope they gave him a little bump at least for that last fight if he does leave. You know, I hope it's something. Mike makes sure. a good point. He did save him. but um, I actually watched the rest of this card. Um, well, some of it. Wellington Terman was real committed to getting a submission on Misha Serkinov. And he did. I, he kept trying. He's a there Brazilian named Wellington. Which, it's an interesting name. Priscilla Kashwara uh, robbed Ji Yeon Kim. That was bad. That was a really bad decision. Um, Priscilla lost the first two rounds. And probably the first minute or two of the third round. Then just started throwing elbows. Just started throwing those elbows, man. She won one round. All the judges gave her two. Some bullshit, quite frankly. Um, this is also coming off of her last fight where she was taking the Ric Flair approach to getting out of a choke, which was called just straight eye-raking. So Priscilla Cachuera, really not liked right now by the internet. Um, but yeah, you feel for uh, Ji Yun Kim because she won that fight. She won those first two rounds um, pretty clearly for anybody who has eyes. But it's MMA judging, which we're never going to fix. So here we are. Um, Armand uh, Sakarian, as I mentioned, former opponent of Islam, got a performance bonus for his TKO win over Joel Alvarez. Real bloody affair. Um, and yeah, Terrence McKinney got a nice uh, early submission on the prelims. People were really excited for him too. But this was another just some fights thing. But there was a lot of people there actually. the The apex has actually got some people in it now. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that when you watch these a little bit. There's like people in the crowd. Um, so Bobby Green had a lot of support, it sounded like, which was unfortunate for how that went. Um, I don't know what happened this week, except we all saw body cam, body cam footage of John Jones looking horrible, um, while getting well, arrested. I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to, by the time I go to sleep tonight, it's I mean, not great. Talking, I'm going like, to pull it up right now. Look, I think if like, it's like. Look, I know Bob John Jones had a lot of chances. And, you know, he's made up a lot of mistakes. This guy's got some sort of problems, though, man. Like, real problems he might want to address at some point. And just being rich and talented is not going to solve them. But And the mother of his children have left has left him now. Which, that tends to happen when you, you know, physically abuse people. They tend not to be or want to be around you. So, he's on Twitter talking about... If you're a John Jones hater, it's a good time for you. And I'm like, what do you get off the internet, man? What do you what are we doing? I get that you're sad, but get off the internet. Um it doesn't sound like he's sad. It sounds like he's looking for a fight. Uh, he sounds a little depressed. I don't know. Is he gonna fight, Mike? What are, does he have any leg to stand on at all with wanting more money? I mean, the heavyweight champion is gonna leave. Like, what are we what are we doing anymore? Uh, wait, what do you mean? He's got into a few fights. He's got into a fight. With his uh, now ex fiance, he got into a fight with a police cruiser. He's like two and zero this past year, man. 
I think he lost both of those, quite frankly, given how this has turned out. Um, no, seriously, do are we going to see him fight? Like, what do we? Do? I mean, he wants money. He has no, no. manager. No, we're not going to see him fight. It's the same stuff we've been talking about for a while now. The UFC is a runaway freight train. If you're not on that them fucking cars, it's going to leave you behind. And it's leaving John Jones behind. And he is not helping the situation by trying to run along the tracks with those cement shoes he's got on. Yeah, and uh, I don't think Fran I mean, Francis isn't there to help him anymore either. Because there was a while where they were playing like the Nate and Connor two-man game. Where they kind of play the UFC against, the, you know, the play together against the UFC to get paid. Um, Francis just kind of wiped his hands at John Jones a while ago and has moved on to, you know, fighting the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing, possibly. You know, it's. You're never going to tell me, Marcus, that anybody was more talented than John Jones that's done this. You know what I mean? Like, no one's ever been blessed with more ability than him. And it's really just. It's not ending well. <laughs> I know he's lost, but it's not ending well. <laughs> I'm catching this body cam footage, and it's making me sad. It's, it's very sad, man. I'm not. I'm not is it, yeah, I'm not. Is it I, really no 13, audio. 14 minutes long? Oh, Jesus. That's a it, lot, It's man. long, and I'm not. I, I can't hear what he's saying, but he looks sad. It's, it's, it's bad. Like, look, I don't want to body shame anybody or point fun at anyone, but that's what I'm about to do. I mean, I remember, <laughs> did he say, wasn't he threatening these cops like he could beat all of them up and stuff? I mean, it's, it, there's a couple parts where you're like, John Jones about to get his ass whooped by the police here. Well, <laughs> well I, I just remember him saying like he was challenging the cops to a fight, right? He was like saying he'd beat them up because there's one dude here. I was like, okay, I think this guy, he's looking at this guy and being like this little dweeb in his glasses. He just wants to <laughs> smack him off his head i can th i could see where the authority and the power could could be bruising his ego when you have this little dorpy guy <laughs> putting cuffs on you Yo, and does this dude have like john jones in a headlock why are we seeing like people, a profile this is, a, guys, this, this is an audio face. medium that a bunch of people are not pulling this up while listening no, to I, us talk guys well, i mean why aren't they? i would encourage I mean, come you on, guys this is a family environment uh, yeah i mean i haven't watched this but i mean to your point bobby not even like, yeah, he, he, you could easily have an argument like maybe the most like naturally talented fighter that's ever graced this sport. I think the bigger thing is like, you know, probably one of the fighters in, sorry, my dogs are barking. Um, the fighters in the UFC or in MMA that have sabotaged them the greatest, you know, I don't know of any other fighter that has done more harm to themselves in their career outside of War Machine. Maybe I don't even remember that guy. I mean, what was he that no potential? Oh, Koppenhauer. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's guys that have like you know, and uh, who's the guy that did the big robbery? Like, there's guys that have completely screwed up their life. But oh, Lee Murray really position. blew it. Lee Murray. Yeah, Lee Murray. Um, but you know, no one that was quite at this high. And level the best, he like, he doesn't lose fights. Is the best part. This man still is not losing fights. Yeah. And I, I always think it's it, it is somewhat ironic uh, what he said in that horrible UFC documentary that we saw where he said he was beating the weakness out of his opponents, you know, and making them better people. And ever since he started having this trouble, I was like, man, if there's any a man who needs his own medicine, like potentially maybe who knows? I don't know. But maybe if someone was able to, to beat John Jones and really, you know, put a beating I on him that. and humiliate him, he, it, it might straighten himself out because I think his life has been. Not that everything's been hunky-dory, but in the fight game, it's been like, even when he's not trying, he's still so far well, above these guys. He you hasn't know, like, had to uh, put in the, the dedication like, some of the other people People have. talk about like, the butterfly effect and shit. Like, do you hear about the stories of the first time he fought Gustafson, right? Where, like, he was not training at all for yeah, Gustafson. Yeah, I mean, it, that might and be he had a to, decent... And he had to pull that straight out of his ass to win that fight. 
Like, mm-hmm. what if he'd lost that? Yeah, maybe. Because he, he says he says after that fight, he's like, I really got serious. It's like, you didn't. You didn't get serious. That's yeah, not what I mean, happened. Like, who knows? And maybe that fight's a barometer of, even if he did lose a fight, he still would be the guy that he is. I mean, we all thought he mistakes. lost Dominic Dordos to Dominic Reyes, too. We're lucky he didn't lose. He's lucky he didn't yeah. lose that one, man. I mean, so. he has personal demons, right? And I think it's come to light that, you know, alcohol and drugs and stuff have definitely been something that he's had to combat. I mean, if, he's, if he says impacts. he's clean now, good for him. I hope it sticks. Mm-hmm. If we're training, if he's training a lot in Arizona, I don't know if he's there or not. If that was just a temporary thing to go train with Henry and uh, Eric Albertine or whatever. The man needs some, like, routine and stability. And there's a lot of good rehabs in Arizona, too. Just putting that out there. A lot of rehabs end up in Arizona. Um, get himself together. He's, is he younger than us? Is John Jones, like, 34? Yes. Probably. I think Probably. he was born, like, 87. Okay. This is, you know, if he's going to go be a heavyweight, he's got another 10 years of doing this, too, if he wants to. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> he's like 34. He can do this for 10 years easily. Uh, let's go get your stuff together, man, if you want to do this. And if you don't, either way, get your stuff together because there's no way to live. Um, All right. I guess we can make some picks. Um, mm-hmm, sure. Unless, unless people want to talk about how uh, the PFL and Bellator want Logan Paul. Not Logan Paul, the other one. Oh, Lordy. Jake. Uh, Jake Paul. Jake, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he, he, he said he's somewhat interested in MMA, and then all the lower promotions are like, yes, please. Uh, Bellator is part of Showtime, right? And Showtime has put on a Jake Paul event or two. I think just the last one, maybe. So, I mean, there's some connection. Well, there. I, got, I got good news, guys. All right. Sam Alvey. Okay. Okay. Announced <laughs> on his YouTube channel, which exists apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. That the UFC called him to tell him that they will let him fight out the final fight on his contract. Oh, Sam Alvey <laughs> trying to go out with like the worst run in the history of the UFC, man. That is that is the news we have all been waiting for with bated breath. What's the Sam Alvey next fight news? Oh man. Um so every happy. uh that ACA team, the ACA thing in Dagestan, that promotion. Oh, um, no, not sorry, not the promotion, the fight team, ACA. All the Polish fighters just quit, by the way, over this Russian thing. Okay. Fair by the way, we didn't talk about it to lead off the show. Um, There's a Russian thing going on. We need a bit of war. You know what? Let's We'll talk about it after we make our picks because. Let's just get the but MMA out of the Before stuff we like. Though. This is not something we like. It's something we don't like. No, this is um, something we're adamantly against. Um, all right, this pay-per-view. UFC 272 coming to you from some backwater that the UFC booked months ago. Um, where is this backwater? Oh, it's in Vegas. Uh, Never mind. I feel bad. <laughs> that podunk town. Uh, podunk town Mike and I just took out a small loan to buy t- a plane ticket for. <laughs> To go to. Um, we talked about this for a few months. We all think it's ridiculous that the main event is Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. Not that we don't think it's a competitive fight or an intriguing fight. It's just there's no championship. And if nothing else, they got to put Jorge, Jorge's fake belt on the line, right? Does he even have the belt? The belt probably oh, belongs to Kamaru Usman, the right? BMF belt? I think it belongs yeah. to Kamaru Usman. He knocked him out so hard. I think Kamaru took it with him. It's not even a real belt. That's... That's Nate Diaz made that belt up. It's Nate's permanently. All right. It was, mar- it was marketing. Genius yeah. marketing. Um, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. 
they were training partners. And then Kobe uh, adopted this character. And then all the foreigners that he bloody trains with seem to dislike his general racist tone. Um, Jorge was giving him a pass for a while. Probably because they assume Jorge's playing, uh, Colby's doing a gimmick. And also, Jorge's another MAGA prick. Um, that's part of the reason I can't even get behind this stupid fight, by the way. This, this feud. Like, what am I supposed to, like, I'm supposed to take a side here? Like, the president, As the ex-president might show up and I'm supposed to care? <laughs> my, my nephew called me over the weekend to talk about this fight. And I put it to him in wrestling terms. Where... You know, with wrestling, a good booking is when it's a face versus a heel, right? Because the crowd needs someone to get behind. In this case, bad booking. These are two heels. If this had been two years ago when Jorge Masvidal was lovable and everyone liked him and he was on Dan Levitard's show like every other, like every month and I was enjoying it, mm. perfect face. Now, fuck them both. Yeah, you could do face versus face. And you can do face versus heel. You know, Nate and Jorge at the time was face versus face. We all got on board with that shit, man. It was great. No, we can't do heel versus heel. I don't, I, I this isn't, no. Okay. Um, betting odds for this one. Both of them are coming off of getting their ass whooped by Kamar Usman. Is that a good assessment? Both of these mm -hmm. guys can't beat the champion. Champion's better than both of them. Here we are. Um, we got betting odds. Covington minus 320. Jorge Masvidal plus 250. I got Covington. I it's not impossible for Jorge to win at all. Um Kobe's got a good chin though and he's got a really high work rate. Um It's just that Jorge's about a B plus everywhere, I think. Some areas a little bit more. I don't know if any one of those aspects is gonna be enough to have him win this fight unless he, you know. Unless he gets you gotta hit something big. You know? If he's real wild, he goes for another of those flying knees. But I got Colby taking this. By decision. Mark, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same camp. I mean, you can even do your, you know, MMA math here. And, and Covington was, in his last fight with Usman, was extremely close, you know, controversial to some people that he didn't get the nod. And Jorge got demolished. He got, he got you know, uh, posterized. It was it was a, a bad knockout for Jorge. So, and, and, and like you, I agree with Covington stylistically potentially is a bad matchup. We haven't seen the wrestling Covington come out and dominate on the ground, but that is something that he has in his back pocket. And if I do, and I imagine that if Jorge is successful dealing with the pressure, able to find some counter strikes as Col Colby just comes forward and just throws volume at him, uh, you know, Covington does have that wrestling to fall back on. And if he's able to, you know, utilize that, I think it's probably one of his bigger strengths that he doesn't doesn't utilize that much he can be kind of crazy in the stand-up just because he doesn't have to worry about the other guys really taking him down because his wrestling is is at that high level um and if he does start getting caught you know potentially he could take him down so i have coming to him this where, way I think the line's accurate you said it was controversial I thought, it was, I, thought, I thought a lot of people thought like he won the first couple rounds and wasn't around there was three, no scorecards for covington okay yep. okay mm -hmm. bobby <laughs> i'm just saying i mean maybe covington and uh, you know his people thought it was he lost, regardless. Mike, who do you got? Uh, you know, I told myself one of my New Year's resolutions this year is that I would not make picks out of emotion. So with that said, as much as I would like Covington to lose, I'm still picking Covington because I 
I don't see Masvidal as better at better than him besides besides striking. Give him give him a slight edge. Um, but I think that Covington is probably going to outwork him and and take it to the ground and tire him out for five rounds. Is Colby way bigger than him in my head, or is that? I mean, does anybody else feel that? Or I mean, maybe because Masvidal's fought at smaller well, weight classes, but Colby. I, I think I think that might be one of the things you're thinking about. You know that Masvidal did fight at 155, yeah. but I do think Covington is naturally bigger than Masvidal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would like it if they both got knocked out and double, double KO. I don't know. The president's in the front row. The ex-president. Maybe he can catch a, a mouthpiece in the dome or something on the way out there too. Um. Yeah, it's. Uh, we're gonna see where they go from here. Um. Covington's a really good fighter. Masvidal's a good fighter too, but Covington's, you know, probably the second best welterweight in the world. Though he hasn't beaten another good welterweight in a while. Like, I mean, no. Well, look, is that is that also mainly because he waited a long time to fight uh, Usman? Well, no, because he, he fought Usman the first time, and then he didn't fight again until for a year, and he fought the ghost of Tyrone Woodley. And that was not the same Tyron Woodley, right? And then, like, he fought Usman again. Even before that, he fought what was left of Robbie Lawler. He fought Dos Anjos, which is a lightweight ballooned up. I don't know. He fought Damian Maya and beat him in 2017. He doesn't fight a lot, Kobe then. And I don't think this is the fight that's going to make me tell you that he's fighting some, you know. I don't know. Well, where are these other, like, uh, shouldn't he fight Gilbert Burns? Just put that out there. That seems like a good fight for Colby. I think Gilbert so, Burns has a fight lined up now. Yeah, with uh, Chimaev, which sounds like a really good fight, quite frankly. That is a fight. That That is a proper pay-per-view fight right there. All right, we're all picking um, the, the Covington. Co-main event, in case there weren't enough pieces of shit on this card, Bryce Mitchell's on the card. Um, Bryce Mitchell, who's a crazy person and a genuine scumbag, is 14-0. Fuck, he's really good. Really good young talent. It's unfortunate he's such a piece of crap. Edson Barboza, on the other hand, everybody likes Edson Barboza. No one's got a bad thing to say about Edson Barboza. But my man's losing a lot of fights these days. Um, he won two in a row after go after losing three straight. Lost to Giga Chikadze. Got knocked out in the third round. Big win for Giga. That was back last August. Betting odds for this one. We got Mitchell up minus 155 to Barboza's plus 135. Um, Edson, a lot of wins by knockout. Bryce Mitchell got pillow fists. Um, Marcus, who do you got here? Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards Bryce. Um, I don't. I guess he had some interview that said something, so I don't really know. It was the one we talked yeah, about last he, week why, about why talking he a about scumbag. He was the one last week where we talked about he thought the government perpetrated of all the school shootings themselves oh okay that's uh, that was him okay, okay. all right Makes sense. i know he said something i couldn't remember exactly I didn't. there's so many of them it's hard Christ. to keep track of which one to be well, honest I mean, besides that before that i didn't really have much I, you know, know what i listened to his uh his mixtape he put out because he's a rapper too oh okay it well, wasn't that's... bad the genuine oh. impression everybody had was is not bad <laughs> it was not bad at that's... all was More he better than john cena i mean no no one's better than john cena okay <laughs> We spent half of last week's episode sucking John Cena's dick, man. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna disparage him now talking about this guy. <laughs> Marcus, uh, who you? Which way are you leaning, Bryce? You said. That being said, I, I'm gonna go with Bryce. Um, 
it's not a super solid pick, but like you said, just the trajectory of Barboza has not been super high. Um, you know, looking at Bryce's competition, there's kind of a lack of, you know, high caliber fighters on here. This is a big step up. This is, is a real big step up. Um, so, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, if he had fought and succeeded against more upper echelon guys, I'd be more comfortable in this pick. Because I really do feel like I'm maybe just picking against Edson. Um, it seems like Bryce is more of a wrestler type. It's only going to be three rounds. I'm going to give him the edge, you know. And if I'm wrong, you know, it's one of those win-win scenarios where, you know, I, I don't I don't dislike Edson. I'd like to get him back on the correct path. So a, a win over, you know, a rising prospect, I think, would surely help him a bit in his career. So, yeah, but I am going with Bryce, that being said. What are, Mike, by the way, what are the standings? At? I know it's still really early on. We're all jumbled together here, but how are we doing? Uh, it's still a four-way tie for first place. And since Kid P picked uh, no, Bobby Green last not doing, week, I'm not doing this for he is Owen Wood uh, and all by himself in uh, fifth place. Okay, sure. Who do you got for this one? I got Thug Nasty. You got Thug Nasty? Yeah, Mike right. just likes that his nickname sounds like it's out of the boondocks. That's, that's really it. Um, speaking, of, speaking of which, when is season five coming out? Good question. I'm I'm gonna take uh, Edson Barboza. Nice. I feel somebody has to. It's like a pick 'em fight. For the love of God, somebody does uh, do something here. He's a plus one thirty underdog. Um. All right. Um. Have you guys? Are you guys in the loop on Kevin Holland flying out internet trolls and beating their asses? Oh, I, I did see one video. There's a few of these. He's done now. Is he trying to bring back Bully Beatdown? Kind of. <laughs> That'd be great. They really should. I mean, maybe, you know. Uh, These guys talk a bunch of the shit. These guys talk a bunch of shit online, and Kevin Holland's like, all right, you want to come out and prove it? And then they take a beating from Kevin Holland after signing a release. Yeah. It's hard really, not to get behind him, to be really honest. Like the, it's really like the 21st century version of, like, the open gym challenge, you know, where, like, people used to come to people's gyms and be like, yo, you ain't shit. My style is better and all of that. See, Except I mean, on Twitter. I, th- like, I think it's very the, uh, catch these hands. It's very Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. The end of the movie where they're just beating all these internet trolls asses. That's that's another one, too. Um, betting odds for Kevin Owens fight this weekend. He's taking on Alex Oliveira, um, the Brazilian cowboy. Um, betting odds are Mr. Holland is the favorite at minus 290. Uh, Oliveira's plus 230. Holland is coming back from a no contest against uh, Kyle Daukus, where uh, they clashed heads, um, and that knocked Kevin Holland out when they knocked each other and they clashed heads with each other. Before that, two fights of getting wrestled by Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori. Alex Oliveira, who I refuse to believe is only 34 years old, um, is coming off of three straight losses. He's lost six of eight overall. It's not going well. Um... I'm I'm taking Kevin Holland because Alex Oliveira is not a wrestler. Not that he can't wrestle, but he's not that kind of wrestler. And I still think Kevin Holland's a pretty good fighter. Um, there's a hole there, obviously with his with his wrestling, but I think he's still got a lot to. He's still got a lot in him, and he's relatively young, 29 years old. I think we can still see some more from him. I'm and I'm sorry. Who are you, who are you picking again, Bobby? Kevin Holland. Okay. Uh, Mark, who do you got? Yeah, we're on the same page. Um, I think it's a pretty competitive interesting fight on paper uh but looking at the records 
both of them desperately need this win. But when you do look at Kevin Holland's, you know, last losses, these, these are upper echelon guys. These are guys that have fought for a belt or potentially are going to fight for a belt. Um, maybe not Brunson, because I think Brunson lost his last fight, right? I think. Um, but I mean, th- these are contenders. When I look at the guys Oliveira has lost, it's kind of they're run of the mill guys that you kind of need to beat to, you know, assert yourself in the division. So I, I, I do just feel on paper Holland is maybe a step above where Alex is currently. I mean, stylistically, I think they match up pretty well. I think it's going to be an interesting competitive fight. This is but... back down to 172. Kevin Holland going back down to 170. I was trying to figure out the weight class here. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe that's good. Maybe he, he just felt like he couldn't physically compete with those guys, and that's why he was getting out wrestled. And maybe 170 is really the weight class for him to shine. Um, I'm picking him, but I, I do think it'll be competitive. But I do think he'll get the nod. You know, like I mean, Mark, you didn't you don't watch a lot of ba- I don't even watch any basketball, but like you know, the NBA had that whole like uh, bubble during the COVID, during the COVID lockdown where the players were playing sure. for nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, and people say the Lakers championship doesn't count. I mean, Kevin Holland in the bump in the in the in the apex in Fine Island. Kevin Holland was like five and zero, oh, baby, right? Like Kevin Holland yeah. was the king of that. He had a great, great run then. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, actually, he actually of... never fought in Fight Island. It was all uh, looks apex? like in the apex, apex. in twenty twenty. Was he fighting like every month for a stretch there? It felt uh, like I'm looking at his uh, record right now. Man, I had forgotten that he won five fights in twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, he won five fights May, from May, <laughs> May, August, September, October, and then December. Yeah, he won five fights in eight months. That's <laughs> he that's won five insane. goddamn fights in eight months. Okay, and one of those was knocking out Jacare. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not a bum. That's how he capped his 2020. Yeah, I, I think I gave him fighter of the year. Honestly, I still I'm, I'm, I'm standing by that man. The man went five and zero oh in eight months. So um, who do you in got tw- in 2020? He won five fights. In 2021, he won no fights. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go that he has a bounce back 2022, and he starts it off with a win. Right on. All right. A clean sweep there. And we got Sergey Spivak versus Greg Hardy rounding this uh, main card out. Again, we don't know the co-main event, even though it looks like we might be headed towards Islam Makachev versus Dos Anjos, which is insane, but... <clears throat> Sergey Spivak coming into this fight. Um, he broke his three-fight winning streak, losing to Tom Aspinall back in September. Greg Hardy, on the other hand, um, got his ass kicked by Ty Tuivasa in, in 67 seconds. Though, actually, he hurt Ty, and then Ty, you know, Ty came back and knocked him out. A lot happened in those min- in that minute. Um, betting odds for this one. Sergey's a pretty decent favorite at minus 200. Greg Hardy plus 170. Um, this is really just a scumbag card, isn't it, huh? I'm thinking about it here. There's a lot of, sh- just a lot of shit on this one. There's a lot of major heels in this, uh, in this card. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad the other three. I compared them to Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's a fucking terrible person. On Colby, Jorge, Bryce Mitchell. They say reprehensible things. The only one who has done reprehensible actions so far uh, that we know of is Mr. Hardy. I mean, Jorge's been in jail, too. Just putting that out there. Yeah, but was was he in jail for beating the shit out of his girlfriend and throwing her on some loaded guns? I don't know. That's a good point. Jorge, just all the, I just remember Jorge. It's always sick to me. Jorge said, I had the best sucker punch in Miami growing up. 
<laughs> I really enjoyed that about him. Um, I got I got Sergey Spivak, man. I don't know what Greg Hardy. I don't know what to make of Greg Hardy. I'm not sure Greg Hardy's gotten better. Um, yes. I think Greg Hardy came into this thing, uh, Marcus. I think he came in and we all thought like this guy's fucking fast. He's of course he's fast. He's a goddamn all pro middle linebacker. If he actually gets into this and really trains hard, maybe he'll do something. I don't know if he's getting any better. It seems like he's got some skill standing, but I mean, if you get him on the ground, he's going to look for a way out. Um, I just, I don't know what to make of his career at this point. Mark, who do you got this fight? I got, I got Sergey. Who do you got? Yeah, I have Sergey as well. Um, and I, I agree to some extent. I think we've seen some growth in his ability not to just completely go nuts in the first round and try to get a win, you know, within the first minute. Always that if, that slugfest presents himself. He definitely takes it. And we've seen him on the losing end of that. But um, other than that, you know, I do have to imagine that his opponent with the experience, a lot of times when experience comes in, I'm always going to hedge towards that fighter. Um, you know, Greg Hardy carries a heavy fist and he might be able to pull something off here, but I think the smart money is on Sergey. Mike. I will agree with that. I also looked up Sergey. Uh, he is from Moldova. And Moldova is home to the Melisti Michi, which is the world's largest wine cellar. Thank you. You're welcome. Way to go. Um, all right. So it looks like we're all agreed on everything except for the one, uh, well, the, what's currently the co-main event of Edson versus Bryce. So I can mm -hmm. be in first place or the rest of you can be in first place when this is all over, yeah. <laughs> including Chalk. Um We'll see. They're interesting fights, honestly, like just individually and stuff. But none of that. This does not feel like a pay per view on any level. No, 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 no. Like no, I'm no. interested in all the four fights we mentioned. The concept of paying seventy five dollars for it is insanity. Yeah. Um, as much as I was interested in the battle of Rafael versus Rafael, that's Islam not a reason Ma to pay seventy five. Islam Makachev trying to pull this off uh, <laughs> a week later. I think that breaks all the records for fastest turnaround, right? They were talking about them, some of them on Saturday. Like how, I don't think anybody's ever done back-to-back -back weekends. No. Um, the quickest turnaround between wins is uh, seven days. So that's someone has done back-to-back -back weekends then? Then yes. Sorry. Who was it? I don't was know. Was it Jamea? Maybe. Oh. I, I think I, it'd be I cool. Saw, I, saw, I saw the graphic when uh, Bobby Green was going to fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there were two or three people that have won, um, gotten wins within seven days. Okay, well, um, he doesn't have to do this at all, right? We all recognize this. This is just like fucking swinging his nuts out there and, you know, showing how much of a badass he is. But, I mean, if he goes out there and beats the former lightweight champion of the world on no notice, I mean... Shit, Mark. That, those odds might even get worse for uh, for uh, Oliveira, huh? Yeah, and, and like we were talking about earlier, like I, I feel only strengthens the card. You know, I think Islam replacing um, the other Rafael is more interesting than the original matchup. So again, like it doesn't push you over that price barrier, at least for me personally. But it would, I think, it would only be a boon to the card because it, it does look a little lackluster, especially for the increased price that they recently raised it to. But you know. Say, no me. one's no one has won in seven days. Someone has taken a fight in seven days. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. Lupe Godinez took a fight seven days. Chimeyev won ten days. Um, other one I remember. I remember Lieben came back after two weeks one time and beat Vanderlei in like a thirty seconds. That was pretty cool. Um, 
There was a crazy article about Lieben just getting out of the hospital because with COVID. They almost killed him, by the way. And he declined to state his vaccination status, which... I mean, okay, kind of says it right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so nothing is... I don't think anything has gotten official with the co-main event. I do find it kind of crazy that we're even talking about a guy fighting back-to-back weekends. Um, but shit, let's... Uh, I'd like to see it. I mean, it makes the whole card more interesting. I mean, Moicano is an interesting fight too, I guess, on paper. Dos Anjos versus Moicano. None, none of these get my money. There's no scenario where I pay for this. Batman's out for the love of God. A Batman movie with good reviews is out. Go see that instead. Um, Anything on the undercard that's... I saw Marino Moroz um, talking about Ukraine. She's on this card. Tim Elliott still doing it at Flyweight. Devontae Smith, I thought he plays in the NFL. Last I checked, but sure. No problem. This is a garbage card for pay-per-view. This is... Mm-hmm. It almost feels like... I don't know. Not that it was, not that they're sandbagging it on purpose, but it's not great. So, anyway. Um, that's it. Um, I don't think Bellator's got a card this weekend at all. Um, we did have one last weekend, though, Marcus, and we saw... Uh, we saw uh, Gegard Musasi just trounce in, in Austin Page's husband, who in really fairness, wasn't... Like, I mean, we, we all call him Page's husband. He's a good fighter. Like he really put yeah. together a bit of a you know he was like eleven or no, I think or num- number one contender. Yeah, he deserved. I mean, I we saw him on AEW a couple times. They made fun of him for being Page's husband there too. Um, but like, I mean, I wasn't making fun of it. I was just, I think that's what he's known for. In, until this matchup, you know, I knew she had married a fighter, but I didn't really know who he yeah. was or. Where he was fighting or what his record was. And this was kind of, you know, at least for me, I mean, figuring out who this guy What do we is say and, besides Gegard beat him in a minute and a half, huh? And Gegard says he's the best middleweight in the world and we're never going to know. It's hard for... Bellator's having a really hard time getting attention, in my opinion, now more so than ever. Because what happens when your sport is on... When ESPN airs your sport versus when ESPN doesn't air your sport is that the amount of attention you get is insanely different. Like, Mike, do you remember when, like, hockey wasn't on any ESPN ever? Like, that sport didn't exist. Like, I don't even know if it is now. Like, I was, I, I, in fairness, I, I don't care about hockey. No, but in general, like, way. the NBA got, like, when NBA got on ESPN, it became a much bigger deal. If ESPN covers your sport, if they air your sport, they're going to cover it more heavily. They, they, Bellator is not on the bottom scroll, scroll almost ever. They talk about the UFC constantly. They're, you know, talk about the UFC almost every day on ESPN. I mean... They also have no reason to give any pub to Bellator. What do you mean? They're news. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay. All yeah. Right. I, I thought you were No, it's just, there. I mean, I would have loved to see a, a Gegard Musasi fight Izzy Adesanya. Not going to happen. But if he goes out there and beats everybody like that, it's, you know, he'll have a claim to it. Right, Marcus? You know? I mean, sure. I mean, we've known Gegard to be, you know, while he was in the UFC, you know, a top contender, but he never got a crack at the belt, I don't think, um, and never held the gold. So he'll always be seen as less than, but, you know, skill-wise, he's always been, you know, I think one of the, the better fighters at his weight class or whatever class that may be. Yeah, so, he's... so what I remember as well, he didn't leave the UFC on a losing streak either. I think he beat Lyoto or something and then He left. beat Weidman. Okay, I mean, yeah. he left. He left the UFC on a 
think back one, that still kind of meant something as well. One, two, three, four, on a five-fight win streak Jeez. with four finishes. Yeah, well, you know what? They don't want to pay him. So he went out there, and he's only, his only loss in Bellator, he lost a majority decision to Rafael Lovato Jr. Um, I think Lovato was the middleweight champion who had the brain thing too. I think he had to vacate mm. that title. That's how he got it back. I know we, Mark and I saw him fight Rory, I believe. Yeah. Uh, live. And he just, very quickly, it was apparent Rory is not big enough to fight middleweights. At least not this middleweight. Yeah. He got his ass kicked real quick. Um, I mean, Gegard's, this is 20 years. Will be, I think next year he's been doing this. His first fight was in April 2003 when he was 17 years old. So, yep. goddamn. It's a lot of fights, man. He's had 58 MMA fights. He's going to have over 60 fights, you know, probably by the end of this year. Anyway, um, congrats to him. Big win for him. Mr. Vanderford, back to the back to the drawing board. He's a young fighter, though, 11-0. He'll be back, you know. He, he has some potential. What's got to suck is to travel all the way to Dublin to just get starched in like 90 seconds. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's um that's an unpleasant. Yeah. That's not great. Even even with Paige Van Zant to go home to to like cry cry shoulder into. That's that's still rough. I mean, he could have cried at home. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying, he didn't yeah. have to go. He could have he could have gotten starched in Uncasville, Connecticut, okay? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um all right. Um before we do stuff we like, um so the podcast ended last week, and then two days later, a war started, I think. Um, we're not going to, we're not the news. Uh, it's just wish everybody, wish the best for the Ukrainian people. Uh, much respect to the, to Lomachenko, and um, I've already forgot the heavyweight champion's name, so I feel bad. Don't forget uh, the clutch goes. Yeah, the, whoever the heavyweight champion. Someone figure out who heavyweight champion of boxing is. He's there too. The guy would be Anthony Joshua. Um, we got all these boxers out there with guns. We got the president out there defending the country. Um, got guy from Dancing with the Stars is over there. With everybody's got but a guy. He, he he's not fighting though. He's trying to get out of there. Right. Okay. Fair that, enough. That, that dancer is trying to leave. Fair enough, man. Um, just you know. It's a uh, it's a shitty situation, and uh, Mark and I have a a couple coworkers who are Ukrainian, and you know they've all been really struggling with what's happening here too. It's just a real sad story, and it's just interesting. I haven't we haven't seen the world disunited, honestly, probably since nine eleven. It's interesting. I've not seen. I mean, a lot of people pointed out like the entire like I don't know why we got like. The entire left and right of America came together once the right was done praising Putin. Um, I, I think I think that's mainly because when was the last time you really, uh, besides Russia doing it eight years ago, when was the last time you've really just seen one nation just an old fashioned land grab? Yeah, just an old fashioned land grab. Fucking like if we're playing civilization, Kosovo, we're, we're just creeping maybe? into. I would say whatever happened in Kosovo, or I mean, definitely Saddam and Kuwait. But like, also, I think Americans have a different view of it when we're talking about Europe, and like, I say this as a Middle Eastern person, it's not the same re reaction when the Middle East is, you know, got shit like this going on. 
as Europka. Let me let me put it a bit more blunt for you here, here, Bobby. It's a little different when the people getting attacked are white people. Well, I mean, I wasn't gonna put it just like that, but yes, that's a nice am, way to put it. I'm am, I, about am, like, am I wrong or am I wrong? I mean, I'm not the one is different for, but I'm just saying I'm no I'm trying to think of like a positive thing here, Mike, about the world has come together and it seems pretty united. And that's what I'm pretty much getting at. Every it's, it's nice to see. And people are donating and people are trying to help and you know. There's some people who like I mean I don't know, we'll get into the ramifications of what could what could or couldn't start World War Three, but I just want to say the people thinking if Trump was president, this wouldn't have happened are insane. You know, people say that, but what people got to remember is that this partly happened because Trump was president. You remember that whole first impeachment? What was that first impeachment for? Him withholding about $400 million in military aid from Ukraine to try to get some dirt on Joe Biden. Mike, counterpoint, fake news. I mean, you got me. (laughs) Checkmate, bitch. Um, no, yeah, so you just hope for the best, man. And, you know, I don't know. What, we don't know how any one of us would react in that situation, to be honest. Yeah. Someone invading, you know, your homeland and you got to defend it. Yeah, I and mean. Those, I, who are, I, those of us who know anything about history also know, like, how big of a deal it was um, for the Soviet Union when Ukraine did leave. That was a big deal. It was a giant, massive blow to the Soviet Union crumbling right there. Ukraine's a big deal. And it's not a mistake that he wants it back. You know? It's not a mistake that he does. But we'll see where it goes. Right now, as we're recording this, there's a giant convoy and of um, Russian tanks and artillery headed towards Kiev. Just hope everybody stays safe. Marcus, your camera is shaking like there's an earthquake going on in your apartment. Just my foot twitching. Oh. It's all oh, good. Um, I mean, not 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 really, not really needed to be said. No, I mean, it was just bothering me. I had to say something. Um, yeah, you know what else to say, man? You just hope everything for the best and hope everybody stays safe the best they can. And hopefully this conflict comes to an end sooner rather than later. And it's just nice seeing people come together on some level here. Even, you know, even talk to even Tucker Carlson at the stop sucking uh, Putin's dick. Um Highlight for me must have been when <laughs> Mayor Kane in Knox County <laughs> started shitting on liberals. And then oh, Mike, our champion, you know, my champion, the hangman, just responded with a bunch of links to UNICEF of where to donate. And then a video of how Kane has been hitting the head with chairs a lot. <laughs> and if you watch the video, <laughs> there were some rough oh, chair shots there, that- man. Them, head, them, them chair shots back in the like pre two thousands, yo, they were rough. And yeah, again, if you've never seen it, baby chair shot. Oh, it's Stone, a Stone, bad one. Let me tell you, man, when Stone Cold was hitting Kane with those chairs, woo, he was he was a little snug, man, a little snug. You uh, hope that. <laughs> one more thing, though, just supreme props to the president of Ukraine because. He was offered, I think, by the United States and I think a few other European countries um, asylum. Mm-hmm. And his response, I think, to the United States specifically was, I need ammunition, not a ride. Fucking gangster. Yeah. I mean, who knew Putin's going to lose a public relations batter, battle to a trained media professional? Also, just getting trounced. He's a former comedian, that guy. 
Yeah, it's like it's kind of like the John Stewart type guy, right? Is what kind of played out. Yeah, um, but now now he's Harrison Ford in Air Force One. All right, he's a goddamn warrior president. Okay, that's a good movie, by the way. Oh God, is it a good movie? Get God. off my plane! That's oh, the most badass shit. I saw oh. that theaters, and everybody cheered. <laughs> I was like 12. <laughs> That's God bless. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. If you guys got anything, just, you know, best or best for everybody there. And hopefully it ends sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. We all stand with Ukraine, of course. For sure. Um, stuff we like. These boys are going to talk about Elden Ring, I think. Um, I'm just going to say I've been watching. I, I, I was watching Daredevil season two. And then it ended. And I said, I saw... Oh, this whole show's going away from Netflix on March 1st. And then I started watching The Defenders. And in case you're curious, still not good. Second time around. All these Marvel shows are leaving Netflix on March 1st. Um, they are not going to Disney+. Plus. They're going nowhere at the moment. You'd have to guess they're going to Hulu eventually. Because they're too adult for Disney+. Plus. Apparently. Anyway. Um, that's what I watched. Um... I don't know what else was even I was even watching this week, to be honest. Yeah, that was it. That's all I got. Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, it's probably going to be what Mark has and you mentioned. Uh, I started playing Elden Ring yesterday after beating Ghost of Tsushima over the weekend. Excellent game again. If you haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, uh, pick it up. I'm talking to you, Bobby. Um, what do you mean? I've been, I was talking to you about me playing the game it was like two, three weeks ago. I got it. Oh, I bought it for PS5, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Anyway, uh, Elden Ring, really good game. Um, I've been, I think I put in about seven hours yesterday, and not gonna lie, maybe about half hour, forty-five minutes when I got home today. Uh, it's, it's a very expansive game. It seems to, there's not really any one thing you need to go do. You just kind of well, go Mike, wander around. I want to give some mm -hmm. context. Apparently, this is. Something related to was it George R. R. Martin who yes, wrote the story uh, or something? This this game is another one of the multitude of reasons that uh I still haven't seen I still haven't read uh, the sixth book from Game of Thrones. Because George R. R. Martin, with his old ass, you know, doesn't look like he's in the best of health. So, you know, God knows what's gonna happen in the next ten years. Uh still hasn't finished writing that sixth book. And he's still got a seventh book to go. So Elden Ring better be a good fucking game for, you know, one of the greatest uh, literary book series to not finish before he dies. Yes, I'm calling it. Uh, but so far, it's been pretty good. Um, I've played almost six, seven hours of it. It's really fucking hard, but it's really immersive and you get really into the game. Um and I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on the game so far, Mark, because I know you've been playing it as well, right? Uh, yeah, no, um, I've been kind of surprised. It was surprising. I think last week we went to the podcast. I don't think reviews were quite out yet. I don't think. Um, but when they came out, they I, I expected them to be good. Uh, all the From Software games, uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, have always scored pretty well, and there's definitely a hardcore fan base they have that really love these games. And and personally, I've played all of them, and I've enjoyed them, but I never got into them as much as you know, like the hardcore fans did. I think mechanically they were really interesting. 
I think the combat has always been something of a high point with just the variety of weapons, how you can fight with the weapons, whether it's one-handed or two-handed, dual wielding, um, the fairness of the game, and also, like you mentioned, Mike, the, the difficulty of it. Whereas a lot of times, you know, when you fail, it's because, you know, you didn't adequately read a situation, you didn't block when you needed to dodge or dodge when you needed to block or whatever the case may be. Um, and going into Elden Ring, knowing that it was more of an open world <clears throat> game was intriguing. Uh, but I didn't really grasp or understand just how well that genre would fit with the games that um, Mizaki has made in the past. And all the other games have been fairly linear. Um, there is some exploration. There are some options, you know, especially in the Dark Souls games. Often there would be maybe two or three different paths that you can kind of walk down. And often it would be like one would be way too hard. So it kind of leads you to the other ones. And, you know, while you're exploring one ruin, you might go into another or what have you. But having it be as open as Elden Ring is, is a really interesting concept especially because of its difficulty and how the openness kind of helps negate some of that. Cause a lot of times what would happen in these games is you would go and hit a boss or hit a certain enemy that would be somewhat of a, a wall for you to break through, right? You'd have, it'd be a challenging encounter that you'd have to beat in the previous games. You kind of just had to smash your head against the wall and kind of figure out, okay, I, I have to beat this boss. The other avenues I have are way too high level for me. So this is kind of what I need to do. And having this be an open world game where not only, you know, are there other places you can go to get better weapons or different equipment or better spells or just level up. Um, you have that option so that if you do run into a wall, it's not necessarily like, OK, I need to just keep replaying the level I've been playing to grind or whatever. It's like, OK, you know what? Maybe I'll take a break from fighting this particular boss and explore more. And while you're exploring, and I think it's one of the things that a lot of people um, really highlighted or gave thanks to or appreciation in uh, Breath of the Wild is that you can kind of just see an area over the horizon or in the distance and go there. And for the most part, there'd be something interesting there. Um, personally, for me in Breath of the Wild, a lot of times that didn't really happen where I would see something and sometimes there'd be a shrine, but sometimes it'd just be like, no, it's just kind of a bunch of trees or there's some stones or maybe I didn't miss, I missed a Korok seed or something, but I feel like with Elden Ring more often than not, I go to some ruins or something and there's something there, whether it's an enemy type or some treasure they're hiding, or sometimes there's been a couple times where I've gone into an encampment and kind of beaten it or killed everyone and, and got a couple treasures and thought, oh, I was done. And I go there later and it's like, oh, there's actually a little uh, underground area I didn't go into. And I go in there and there's a treasure. Sometimes you go in there and that's a little mini dungeon. Um, so it, it's been really intriguing. And from all the From Software games I've played, Sekiro before this was my favorite because I think the narrative on that was really good. It didn't have the versatility and the combat where you're getting different weapons. You kind of had this guy's katana and his skill set that he would upgrade. And that was kind of it. It was very kind of linear in that regard um and this game definitely goes back to the dark souls demon souls bloodborne where you're having lots of different weapons but the openness has definitely helped and there's definitely been some times where like okay this kind of seems tough this boss i'm going to come back to later i go and get some cool stuff and i think that's one thing the game does pretty quickly is you get pretty useful items fairly quickly you get your mount which is when you start learning how to use combat with the mount that becomes very useful and then I think a big thing they added was that you can summon these creatures to help you. And I think that helps in a lot of regards with boss fights or just difficult encounters in general, having a bunch of other 
NPCs around you that the enemies can target. So I, overall, I've I've been kind of surprised. I was looking forward to the game. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I have. And I think a lot of it is the versatility of the game itself, but also just the self-exploration. And especially right now in this moment where everyone's getting into it on the first time, there's not like a meta of like, okay, this is these are the eight things you need to do first, do X, Y, and Z. And everyone's just kind of exploring and finding things on their own and missing things, uh, like I said. And it's interesting to, to watch someone else play and be like, oh, I did not know there was a staircase down there. And that led to a whole nother thing. And yeah, it's been, you know, I, I've probably put about seven hours into it or so. I think Christine's put like over 20 and she's been really digging the exploration and, and that aspect of the game. Um, but it's been fun to have put in, you know, marginally not as much time as I have, but already have gotten like a couple cool different weapons, a couple cool different summons, have fought and defeated multiple bosses. And I'm still going for the first like Stormvale castle, which is like the first big main dungeon. I'm going through that dungeon now. And that's, and that is more of what you kind of remember from the Dark Souls games where these really intricate dungeons that have a lot of different paths in and of themselves. Um, and that was something that was missing from Breath of the Wild that a lot of people kind of criticized the game for was that it did not have these bigger overarching dungeons except for the Divine Beast. And those kind of lacked originality and uniqueness because they all kind of felt the same to some degree. And there was just kind of like a puzzle aspect you had to figure out in those and then fight a boss. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's great. I think it's warranted of, you know, people saying... Easy game of the year contender, game of the generation. Lots of positive be... press. Lots yeah. of positive press. I think the Metacritic when it first came out was at 98, which would make it one of the best reviewed games of all time. I, I think Ocarina of Time maybe you've gotten a 99 on Metacritic, and then everything else is at 98. I think it did drop later that day to 97, but still considered to be, you know, especially, and, and, and this is something that I've been interested in too, just the, the video game landscape and reviews and scores. In the last couple of years, it's been hard to break 90. A lot of games struggle to get over 90. So to have something like Elden Ring come out and get 98 and 97 is quite remarkable. Um, and it has its issue. It's definitely not perfect. Um, a lot of people are saying the PS5 version is the best version to play it on just because there seems to be some frame rate issues with the PC version, which is something I'm sure they'll patch and will be fine you know, within a couple of weeks or so. Um, but I've been noticing a lot of pop in, not, not a lot of bugs or anything or weird glitches that you do see in open world games, but pop in from here and there. I haven't noticed any frame drops and I, I probably wouldn't if they did happen, but overall it's performed really well. So yeah, it's definitely a game. Like I'm, I'm a little surprised Mike and Stefan jumped into it cause I know they haven't played the other from soft games, but I think when a game kind of garners this much attention and reviews as well as it does, it does get more people that maybe weren't aware of you know the series or the other games that came before it to try it out um and if you know you end up liking this you know the souls games are you know there's a reason why they've kind of garnered a fan base that they did but i think it would also be very hard to go from elden ring to those other souls games that are much very much more linear and, and play a bit different but um yeah i've really been enjoying it um i did want to mention you know this last couple of months i've just been saying you know games have been popping off all the time and that does not stop even though elden ring basically took all the air out of the room uh this coming friday gran turismo 7 comes out for playstation 4 and 5 i believe and i've, I've always liked I, I like racing games in general and gran turismo back in the playstation one and two days was top dog you know it, it really was the best racing sim out there um its lunch has gotten a little bit eaten from the forza uh franchise and it has not really struck back 
in the last couple of generations, but seven seems to be a return to form, uh, going back to the roots, licensing challenges and stuff like that. And I'm kind of excited for it. You know, I, I like a good racing game every now and then. I'm definitely looking forward to picking up uh, Gran, Tur Chris, uh, Gran Turismo 7. Um, and then just personal stuff I wanted to also mention. Uh, started watching Gravity Falls again. That's a Disney cartoon. I think it was like from 2013 or so. That is really good. I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, and I'm getting close to wrapping up my Hajime no Ebo Blu-ray collection, which has gotten kind of sad. There is two more seasons after this, and I think they're on Crunchyroll or something, so I might have to dip into that. But um, what a fantastic anime. Uh, you know, I, it's Had, been a while. You'd watched it before, right? I, I have. It, it, okay. it, it had been a while since I saw it, so I didn't really know if it held up. Um, and it absolutely does. I, it really is probably one of my favorite animes. I think this and Cowboy Bebop are, are, are right there side by side. Um, and I think watching it again now, being a little bit older, the portrayal of all the characters has been really good. No one's really as one-dimensional as they might seem in a certain episode. Every And a lot of the characters, even if it's boxers that he's fighting just for like a one-off match, get their own time in the, in, in, in the spotlight to kind of showcase like what their character is. And then and I have to even say, like, you know, I don't, and I'm no expert at portrayal of female characters. And there's not, and to be honest, there's not a ton in this in this episode. It is it is about a boxing gym and these boxers, and there's not a lot of female portrayal. But the few that are on there, I do think are pretty good. Uh, I, they just introduced a female reporter, and they kind of all like were just like, oh, she's so pretty and stuff. But it's just like, oh, like. She kind of comes out and be like, "Yeah, no, I like boxing for real." And I think the Japanese guy's like, "Oh, like, what's your favorite boxer?" And he talks. She talks about like Hearn and Sugar Ray Leonard. And she's like, "Oh, like you, you like like you know the the foreign good, like the, the legends." And she's like, "Yeah, I don't like Japanese boxing. Like you guys aren't of the same level and stuff." And there's just depth to all the the characters on the show that I find really refreshing. And again, like I mentioned when I first started watching it, soundtracks fucking second to none. Like. The soundtrack on the show is ridiculous. And I will say they definitely steal a fucking Rocky song. <laughs> I mean, it's changed the tempo a little bit, but it's like, all right, you're doing a boxing anime. Why not, you know, take, you know, one of some of the best scores of, you know, the sport to uh to convey in your anime. But yeah, I really can't recommend it enough. I think it's great. And and to a side note, this one random YouTube channel that I get recommendations for, it's called a uh, Retro Crush. They just show clips of like it used most of the ones I saw were like 80s anime, like cyberpunk anime, and just like weird, cool action scenes. And obviously, this dude just got onto the Hajime no Ippo bandwagon because he's been posting clips for the last like week, starting from like the beginning of the series. So I think, I think that brother over there got the Blu-ray collection. He's like, Oh, I got some nice HD footage here. I'm gonna start putting on to my YouTube channel because uh it's just great. It, what a what a fantastic anime. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen it, that Blu-ray collection's on Amazon. It's worth every penny. Okay. Um, one last thing I want to mention before we go. The Cesaro has left WWE, which means officially, Mike, the party has got no one left but Woods. Yeah. Um, How sad is that, man? I was thinking about it the other day. I started thinking about Uno. I think I'm going to start watching some of the Uno episodes again. Just to man, like, cheer myself up. That that got us. That got that, me through, man. That every <laughs> Wednesday, man. That that helped get us through the, the, the pandemic, man. Um, we, I mean, we really haven't sad. talked about it in a while, but like we're talking about how um, WWE wrestlers at the time, um, Austin Creed, known as Xavier Woods on TV, 
um, Tyler Breeze, Adam Cole, and Cesaro would play Uno once a week. And it's, it's, I mean, if you, most, a lot of people have never seen this before are thinking, how are you going to watch someone play Uno? It is one of the most entertaining. It was like my favorite thing to watch for a while. Like when Adam Cole was leaving, I remember you and I talking, Mike, like we, as wrestling fans, we'd like him to go to AEW. But as people watching Uno every week, we don't want him to go anywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently Cesaro's a dad now, allegedly. So congrats to him there. And I saw that the casino ladder match went from six people to seven people all of a sudden. You think uh, you think Claudio's going to be there? I think if Claudio is not the one, gra- I think Claudio grabbing the brass ring. In case you guys are ring- wondering, Claudio was his name on the indie circuit. So oh, that's sorry. his actual name too. Yeah. Oh well. That's but it. um, no, the whole brass ring thing came from him, like uh, from a Vince, Vince McMahon interview where he said, you know, well, like someone asked why isn't Cesaro a main eventer, he said, I'm looking for someone to grab the brass ring. They got a ladder match where they're hanging a brass ring up there, Mike. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm normally not for this kind of stuff, but Cesaro should go grab the fucking brass ring, right? Like, what are we doing here? Also, all the hosses in that match. I think it'd be fun. A lot of big hosses in that match. A lot of meat, as Big E would say. At a lot of point, meat. At what point do we get like three out of the four the party members in there? When, when, when's Tyler Breeze showing up? Or is he? Or is he, he was just, very uh, on. He was very honest with himself when he got released. He said, "Look, he's like A. It was like AEW just got CM Punk and Christian and Danielson and Cole. He's like, I'm not gonna matter if I just show up." Just like a lot of guys are just showing up randomly. You're like, well, okay. It's not as big of an impact. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Um, and I'm, I'm making this prediction now, two days before it comes out, when they have their big announcement, when AEW has their big announcement that apparently is very, very big. My guess is that they bought Ring of Honor. That's my guess right now, that they have purchased Ring of Honor and they will keep running it as like a, you know, smaller show. Feeder. And if they bought the library for Ring of Honor... That's probably the more important thing, right? That is... The Ring of Honor library is the entire wrestling main event scene of both promotions right now. Bullet Bullet Club originated in through what promotion? Japan. New, New Japan? Japan? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, the only other thing I think he could announce that's really big is a, a New Japan AEW Super Show. Which... I don't think that's still possible yet because Japan is still... I thought they just opened it up, didn't they? Did they? Mm. I mean, I don't know. Things are happening. People make it back and forth. A two-week lockdown is not cool, though. Okay. By the way, we're about to end the show, but just I heard I, we saw that uh, Maki Ito got, uh, got COVID. <sighs> no. She's okay now? She's feeling okay? Mike and I are lower loyal members of the Ito Respect Army. That's right. So, uh, you know, we're happy she's doing okay. Get her back to AEW. All right, guys. Um, thank you all for listening so much. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to see if anything of consequence came out of this card. Quite frankly, if Isla Makachev shows up on it, I'll be very excited. Um, we're going to preview some other card. Um, headlined by Tiago Santos, it looks like. Taking on um, Magomed Ankolov. Woo, co-main event Marlon Moraes versus Song Yadong. What a card. I mean, they say they want to leave the Apex. You going to go on the road with these kind of cards? Is this really going to work? 
People are going to pay more. I mean, how many times can you visit a city the UFC's never been before and hope that sells tickets? I mean, right now, Marcus, they put one of these cards on in Oakland. You want to go? They don't get people just because people are anxious to go back. I don't hate that main. I don't hate that co-main event though. That co-main event's kind of cool. Oh, Marley, Marais, and Songyong. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they're gonna throw heat at each other. Marlon's got about four minutes of heat, and if Song is still standing at the end, he's a chance. Basically, there you go. Everybody's figured out Marlon. You just wait about four minutes. You try to survive. All right, guys. Uh, back next week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, stay safe out there, especially if you're in the Ukraine, of course. Wish you all the best, and peace out. See ya. Peace.